0: Hey y'all and welcome back to Bedroom Talks, where we get financially intimate. Today we're talking to wealth advisor Jessica Tomek, who specializes in working with career-focused women and business owners. Jessica has a deep understanding of the unique challenges and opportunities that women face in the financial world. She uses her expertise to help her clients create an and implement financial plans that are tailored to their individual needs and goals. Jessica is also a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, and an accredited asset management specialist, which means that she has the knowledge and experience to provide her clients with comprehensive financial advice. Whether you're just starting out in your career or you're a seasoned business owner, Jessica can help you achieve your financial goals. So join us today as we learn about her unique approach to wealth management and how she can help her clients build a secure financial future. Hey y'all, get under the covers and get comfortable because we're about to get intimate. No, not that kind of intimate, but close. Did you know that three of the most intimate conversations we can have are sex, mental health, and finances? Probably didn't expect that last one, did you? Financial challenges are actually one of the leading causes of divorce and stress today. A big reason? We don't talk about it, at least not thoroughly anyhow. That's where I come in. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Marie, a certified wealth coach, best-selling author and the creator of Bedroom Talks, Get Financially Intimate, a podcast focused on bringing awareness to the importance of financial intimacy and enticing openness to get real in a judgment-free zone. Together, we're going to cover a multitude of financial topics so you can leap toward financial freedom with confidence. Are you ready? Grab your wine or whatever drink you prefer, And let's unrobe this topic. All right, let's go get this conversation started. I am so excited to have you here with us, Jessica. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for having me here today. I'm excited to be on your program.
0: (laughs) Um, So I want to go ahead and get started by kind of asking you a little bit about what brought you to where you are today? What got you into what you're doing? Um, Some people do it because it's what they're passionate about. Some people just kind of happen to fall into it. And then there's people like me that went through something and it, you know, it it led them to a direction that they didn't expect. So um, where do you fit in that? How did it work for you?
1: Yeah. So I think it was a confirmation of multiple things that happened. So growing up as a child, we didn't have money. My parents struggled. They were young uh, parents, um, you know, only being 17 and 18 when they had me. So really just always paycheck to paycheck and financial hardships multiple times. And always seeing that and knowing that money was a stressor. I, you know, knew I didn't want to be in that position when I grew up and was an adult, but I wasn't exactly sure how I could ever change that. So, I had a teacher once that said, "Hey, if you save a hundred dollars a month, you could be a millionaire." And I thought, "Wow, that sounded great," um, and I could do that. Um, but then when I tried to talk to financial people and really try to get some advice about what should I be doing, it felt like either if you asked the question, they didn't want to help you, or if you asked them something, they would. Uh, when we would go when i was married they would ask my husband or they would answer my husband when i asked the question i didn't really feel like they were including me or i would ask a question they would say oh why are you asking that and i'm like why are you just not answering my question so I'll call, you know all of those things all combined really after several years of really wanting some guidance about how do i do this how do i do it right i started kind of teaching myself some stuff And then finally did find a good financial advisor who I partnered with and they continued to say, you should do this for a living. And, and finally I was like, you know what, when I'm still talking to people, um, guys approaches to things are different. They don't understand necessarily all the things on a woman's plate and how, Um, things are different for us. They're not, it's not the same for everybody. And so I decided at that point, I was going to become a financial advisor and focus on helping women really become empowered and have a partner with their finances.
0: I love that. Um, I love that, you know, you took the challenges that you faced and you were like, okay, you know, this was frustrating and you, you figured it out. You, you kept you know, asking the questions and working through the feelings that you were feeling and, you know, came to the resolution for yourself, but then you took it and you were like, I don't like that other people are dealing with this and what can I do to help,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's still, you know, it happens all the time. Uh, The more you talk to people because, you know, to your podcast point, people don't talk about this stuff, right? And so the more you hear and and get involved with people talking about it, the more you realize how bad it is and how much it's still happening and and really providing that safe space to ask questions and and feel empowered instead of, oh, I don't know what I should do next.
0: Absolutely. And honestly, like, the point you made about, you know, you would ask someone a question, but they would answer your husband. We are in the end of 2023, but it still happens. It still happens. There's so many things. I am a prior military and I did not always live in the state of Virginia. And so when people, you know, ask me where I'm from, i'll you know share where i'm originally from and they're like oh well what brought you down here and i'll say oh the military and then oh was your husband in the military and i'm like well first off i'm not married and i haven't been married and so no it wasn't my husband it was me right and so it's the same thing when i take my car to go get looked at right they treat me a certain way certain things are still uh addressed more to the man than it is to the woman. It's very, very frustrating. And I'm not saying that everybody does it, right? Everybody doesn't do it, but unfortunately a lot more people do it. And it's like, no, let's not do that anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But you're, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, it's definitely
1: happening. Um, You know, daily in my work, you hear and see things. Uh, As a financial advisor, it's still predominantly a, a male industry. Um, 90% of the folks are, are men and white men at that. So mm-hmm.
0: again, it's, you encounter it everywhere. Absolutely. And and that's a good point too, you know, that it's uh, predominantly not just men, but white men. And there's, you know, those conversations as well. And I've, I'm connected with a number of people that deal with finances, which I'm, I'm sure you are as well. And I, I, hear conversations a lot where people are in cultural backgrounds are not getting the information that they need, or they're not getting it in a way that resonates with them all the time. And part of that is because we don't have enough people with a diverse background in this world. And so number one, if that resonates with you and you understand finances a little bit more or you're starting to, and you're passionate about it and you want to help, you know, people in your culture, in your background, understand it more, get into it, let's go partner with us or, you know, find somebody to partner with and and get in there. Um, But I was also thinking about the emotional aspect, right? Men think from like a simplistic, you know, strategic standpoint, and not that women don't think strategically, but we're thinking about all the little what ifs, right, that tie in there, right? So um, what are a couple of top things that maybe somebody, a woman has come to you with that you probably wouldn't see from a male's perspective when they're trying to factor in making some type of financial decision or investment decision?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that always pops up and it's very clear uh, when a guy wants to switch careers and or start his own business or something else, he may only have 30 percent of the plan figured out. And he just jumps in all, you know, just doesn't even look back, doesn't worry about if I have enough money in the bank, really doesn't have a great plan. Right. But a female who is thinking about either changing careers and or starting her own business runs through those 2000 what if scenarios. And Mm -hmm. then even when you show them, look at your financially, you've created this picture, like all this bad stuff could happen still financially, you're fine. There is still this piece of them that says, oh man, but what if this happened? Or what if this transpired? And it really holds us back um, of being able to make those leaps, even in, you know, corporate focused women, men will go in and ask for multiple raises or almost demand a raise where the female will wait till her review she may or may not ask for a raise and typically is not because we believe if we're doing a good job we'll just get the amount when if we would have asked for more they likely would have given us more but because we settled for what they first offered then then that's what they gave us Uh, which is why we show the income disparity all the time between men and and, and women
0: Absolutely. 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 I actually just recently uh, released an episode about how to ask for an increase in your salary. And I realized like that's so vital. I mean, I with what I do for my full time job, I don't have to necessarily ask for a salary increase because there are certain things that are automatic and it's not based on you know male female or performance necessarily um but in the corporate society or corporate world it very much is and um <clears throat> you have to speak up for yourself you have to know that you're valued that you have value and uh, demand that
1: right Absolutely. Yeah, there was a study in a recent book I was uh, reading where it was talking about um, two people—a man and a woman—were doing this same job. Uh, it was a project. There was just the two of them on the project, and the boss, after the project was complete, it was a huge success. The boss um, brought the man in and says, "You know, you did a great job. Here's what we're giving you." That man actually went and told the the woman, hey, look at this is what they gave me make sure you get that amount or more because you did equal work. Uh, Mm -hmm. They actually offered her a third of what they offered the man and had the other gentleman not told her she would have never known, right. Mm -hmm. But then she literally in that meeting said, Well, you offered so and so this and it's a fraction of what you've given me and we've done equal work. And he was like, Oh, I'll have to get back with you. So in the end, she did get the same amount. But if he wouldn't have been that advocate for her she would have uh, received less even though again he acknowledged they did equal work
0: yeah that's i mean that's commendable that he would you know uh, do that because not everybody will but um definitely in yeah yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. um okay so let's shift a little bit to um you know Making, you know, financial decisions or wise financial decisions from your perspective and and experience, what would you say is a couple of the challenges that you've seen with clients and how is it best to maneuver or manage uh, those challenges?
1: yeah so a few challenges that can arise are women uh, often will stay home if you have children they're the ones if your child is homesick you're the person that's staying home so you might choose to not work for a portion of that you may choose to work part-time as you're raising your kids you may work full-time but miss more and maybe miss some opportunities because of unable to travel or do some other things Uh, and then on the other side of it when you have aging parents Um, Sometimes you're the one that's responsible to help make sure that they're getting to their doctor's appointments or doing that. So we kind of call it the sandwich generation when you have maybe kids that you're still raising on one side, but on the other side, you have some aging parents. Because of those uh, reduction of income, typically women are saving less for their retirement. In addition, they're receiving less Social Security that they're earning on their own. And I think those are two huge factors that play into the success of people in their retirement, Uh, there's a study that says 63% uh, of all women have to reduce their retirement spending uh, because of things that they didn't foresee. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty astounding that only 30% of men have to adjust their financial retirement plan. Mm.
0: Wow, that's a that's a really big that's a really big difference. And and you're you're definitely absolutely right. There are more often than not, the women are the ones that are like, oh, got to stay home with the kids because they're sick or whatever. And employers aren't always receptive to that. Right. At all. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't have enough you know, vacation time or sick time to be able to cover that either. So what do you do? Right. What What happens? Um, I actually think it's interesting um, where I currently uh, work for my full time job. um, I have a supervisor who has two young children and him and his wife actually take turns on, you know, one, you know, it's not every week per se. But, you know, one time, uh, you know, the child is sick. It may be the wife taking, you know, the time off to, you know tend to the kids and the next time it's going to be the husband and I don't know how they come up with the thing or keep up with it or whatever but they do a really good job at you know trying to manage that together and they're a little bit of a, a younger couple so that probably plays into it as well mm-hmm. right so individuals that are um wiser in the years <laughs> may not have experienced been able to experience that or whatever um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, any other, uh, challenges you can think off the top of your head? Um, is,
1: so, uh, one of the other challenges we see often is, um, there are times where, uh, the, the relationships maybe aren't equal, right? And so maybe the female doesn't even know what's going on with the finances or believes something's happening with the finances in preparation for their future. But maybe that's really not happening. And so what I tell the ladies is you don't have to be the person who pays the bills and understands the retirement savings and all of that, but you have to know enough to be dangerous. And so whether that's a once a year review of, okay, so the bills are running about this and we've saved this much for retirement or retirement looks like it's this, or we've prepared for the kids college or whatever those things might be. Um, that you have decided are important and, and really making sure you understand because if something happens um, you know, out of you know not expected, you know, a sudden death or something, and you have no idea of what you're even paying in bills, it's a lot scarier than if you're like, okay, I don't do it, but I you know I understand this is kind of what it was, and we, we at least looked at it once you year together. Um, I think that's really important for folks as well. And I don't see that a lot of times there's a division of, oh, I pay the bills and they do the investing. Well, that's great. But you, I would still encourage you to, to know enough to be dangerous in those things.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I hear so many stories in the last couple of years. I've heard more stories than I'd like to um, acknowledge, per se, of individuals either their family members or uh, people that I know losing a spouse and having no idea how to manage anything, not knowing, Oh gosh, I don't even know what mortgage company we use. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's kind of important. <laughs> you, I, it's yeah. very important, you know, to know like who are the primary people that, I, that we're, you know, paying money to and, You know, how do I access the bank accounts? You know, all of those things are so important. I actually, the example you were just talking about with, you know, one person may manage all of the bills where the other person does the investing. My sister and her husband are that exact example. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My sister pays all the bills. He actually, where he works, he still gets a regular check. That's not direct deposited because of the type of company it is. They just haven't tapped into direct depositing yet. She's like, it's insane. It's annoying. But every week she has to go to the bank and deposit his check. (laughs) Right. I know. It's like, why? Like it's just, it's a a more of a a smaller family owned company. And they just refuse to make that switch. And, um, So she does all of the banking. She does all the managing of the finances and things of that nature. And he's very into investing. He's very passionate about investing and, you know, manages that side of things. But they regularly communicate about all of it. She will be talking about things and you know, because I'm very into finances, too. And so sometimes we'll talk about things and she's like, yeah, she goes, I know that he's into this. He's given me like a synopsis of it. And I, you know, I kind of understand like, you know, the foundation of what it is he's doing or why he's doing it. But he'll be talking. She said he'll be talking sometimes about, you know, a particular thing and going on for like an hour. And she's like, I have no idea what the heck he said. No idea.
1: And after 10 minutes, all she's hearing is the Charlie Brown voice because she doesn't really care. Right. So you just got a big picture.
0: Here's where it's at. This is what we're doing. Great. Exactly. But the, the bottom line is he knows what's going on with the primary finances. She knows that he's investing into things and how to you know, tap into that information if it were necessary. Right. Exactly. And those are the, those are the, the uh, most important pieces. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's, speaking of investing. Um, I know that you're a financial planner, certified financial planner. I do understand that there are, you know, only certain things that you can share based on a educational perspective, um, understanding that, you know, information that we talk about on here is not a, Hey, go invest money into this. We can't say those types of things. Everything is a, you know, case by case situation by situation scenario. Um, But from a, Uh, expert perspective, what are maybe some key tips that you would share with somebody who is getting started into investing and, you know, something that you think is important for them to know?
1: Yeah. So before you do any investing, make sure you have your emergency fund fully funded because otherwise Murphy's law will test you and uh, you'll not have enough money and that won't be good. So uh, I like to encourage folks to have three months of their living expenses set aside in the bank account. It's okay if it's doing nothing. It's what it's there for if you need it. Um, And then from an investment standpoint, I really like folks to participate in their work plans. If those are available, if they have a Roth, I love the Roths. Uh, Roths will grow tax-free so it goes in with your after-tax dollars it grows tax-free and then when you pull the money out you don't pay tax on it so those are wonderful especially for folks that are trying to retire before their full retirement age Um, and especially if trying to retire before age 65 there's lots of advantages of having those um, Roths available to people if you're a high wage earner you might not be able to do that and a high wage earner is anyone who is uh, making about 197,000 a year or more. Sometimes there's some loopholes that you can still take advantage of those roths, but it's a little bit more uh, complicated. It's not just as clear cut as putting it right in. So I think those are really important things for people to do. Evaluate your insurances. Uh, to your mm-hmm. point when we started talking earlier. Um, unexpected deaths, right? Term insurance is extremely inexpensive. You can have a lot of coverage, especially if you have young children, until you can get yourself in a position where you're self-insured. I think those are easy things that are low cost. I tell folks that's like you know paying your light bills, just something you should do if you have people you're responsible or people that rely on your paycheck. Yeah. And then also evaluating like your homeowners insurance, car insurance, if you need an umbrella those types of insurances, um, evaluating those at least every other year, if not every year. I know it's sometimes a pain to contact five different companies and uh, make sure you're still getting the best rate. But there are different ages with different insurance companies that the pricing changes, and there could be a significant savings by at
0: least doing that homework. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even if you think I'm never going to need this, or I'm not gonna need this for years. Um, take term term insurance, for example. Um, yes, it is fairly inexpensive. It is way more inexpensive than a whole life policy for a number of reasons, which I'm sure you may end up getting into here in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but if you are, say, 30 years old and you decide to get a term life policy for, say, 35 years, um, the price difference is going to be much different than if you're 40 years old and trying to get a policy and say you're only doing it for 25 years, right? It's it's still going to be a big difference. It also makes a difference depending on your health,
1: and if, if you're a smoker. Exactly.
0: I was just going to say that if you are a smoker, you are definitely going to spend a lot more. Now, if you are working on it and you are, you know, in the process of trying to quit. Give yourself a couple of months and let them know, hey, I just quit. You know, you may be able to get a potential adjustment. Never know. Um, Go ahead. Typically,
1: it's tobacco free for two years. Two years. So once you're two years clear. Now, I can tell you that work plans often, if you have a group policy, it's also inexpensive to get the term insurance through your work and they will not penalize you as much if you are a smoker. Uh, However, the risk is if you get fired or leave that company, you no longer have that policy.
0: Correct. That is absolutely, absolutely correct. I think there may be some cases where that you might get an option to like get a plan separately, but then it could be much more expensive or whatever, but um, definitely good. I mean, I would say it's definitely a good idea to have a policy outside of your workplace. But if all you can do right now is to have something with your workplace, get that, make sure that you have that in place and then work to, um, you know, build up to something outside the workplace. Um, Do you have any uh, thoughts or comments on the whole life policies that you wanted to get into uh, before we move forward? So I think
1: there's a couple of different uses for whole life, uh, variable, universal life uh, policies that have a cash value. So if you are older, maybe 40 plus, and you can afford a bigger premium, uh, there may be something that you want to look at where you could use it to offset long-term care costs. Uh, Oftentimes, if I have a business owner that's making really good money, Uh, there's a thing called the LERP, and that LERP allows you to put a lot of cash into the policy. And then let's say they want to retire at 55, we can actually pull out money as if they're getting paid a pension tax-free. So there's lots Mm -hmm. of different things you can do, but they look and feel different, right? The term policy, maybe that costs you $100 a year a variable universal life maybe that cost you you know 1500 to 3000 a year and that lerp might cost you thirty-five thousand a year so again depending on what you're looking to do would depend upon the life insurance policy or the program that would be best for you
0: i like it i like it thank you for sharing that um i thinking about you know whole life policies the most important thing is to understand what makes sense for you and your family at the moment, because they're not always going to be super beneficial because it is more expensive, given that it builds cash value over time. Um, but there's other options out there. If, say, you want to you get a term life policy and you still want to do some type of investing separate from, you know, some type of insurance policy, there's other options. Right. hmm. Um, so would you mind going into a couple of those options and and maybe, um, you know, give some, some insight?
1: Yeah, great. So uh, what I tell folks is I like to start with some basics, right? So a mutual fund is a group of different stocks or stocks and bonds all put together. And you really can't hurt yourself with mutual funds. Uh, It has a lot of different companies in it. You know, even if one of the companies doesn't do well, you have a bunch of other places in there as well. And those are really good, like, foundational type investments. Oh, if you have 401k plans or, or things through your employer, often those are filled with mutual funds. Okay, so that's a great starting point. Uh, If you're utilizing something for your retirement, if you're saving outside of retirement, and maybe it's just something you're saving long term for some big expense down the road, um, I actually prefer ETFs or exchange traded funds, and those are low cost, they have a low operating and maintenance expense, they kind of work like an individual stock, but again, they're filled with different uh, stocks within the inside of it, that go through some pretty stringent criteria to get in there. And then um, it's just easier than someone saying, oh, I bought an individual stock and that one stock went down, right? So again, the ETF, if I'm not in a retirement plan, a mutual fund, if I am in a retirement plan, in addition to that, you can buy municipal bond funds, So if you think about guaranteed income, people don't like the word guaranteed, but you get your principal back and you are earning a set amount of interest. That's both how a CD works and an individual municipal bond. The benefit of the municipal bond is that you're not paying tax on it from a federal standpoint. And then depending if you purchase in your own state or a different state would depend on if there was a state tax assessed to it and then there's always the individual stocks that you can purchase. But typically I like to tell folks until you have $50,000 of other money invested, you probably shouldn't be trying to buy individual stocks uh, because they are riskier, they do Mm -hmm. have more volatility, and I like to have that foundation uh, built before you go in and try to pick that best stock of the day.
0: I like that. Um, I like that because I, the last couple of years, I've heard a ton of conversations from people in, you know, that are are financial experts. And, you know, they're like pushing, you know, invest, 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 get in here, you know, do this now, you know, get these, you know, go come get these stocks, you know, whatever, like, you're, you're, uh, you're gonna lose money if you don't do this, blah, 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 whatever, like, there's a lot of other priorities. And there's a lot of factors into that, you know, before you just jump and make that decision. Right. Um, I was also thinking about, like you were mentioning earlier, you know, first and foremost, get your emergency fund taken care of. I 100% agree. Um, I also think it's important to get a decent amount of your debt paid off before trying to put too much money into Um, you know, investing and things of that nature because you're almost defeating the purpose of trying to build money because the amount of interest on your debt may be more than whatever you're going to gain on that investment. Not always, but could be. Um, But there's another uh, thing that not a lot of people either know about or take advantage of. And uh, this would be a great place to place your your emergency fund, and that's the high-yield savings accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, probably better idea to put your emergency fund or any savings in a high-yield savings account versus a traditional savings account because you're literally growing money on that every, I don't think they compound daily per se, but um, you're growing more money on that than the traditional savings account. And it's just sitting there. And you can make money off of that, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And the, the only thing to be aware of is some of them are not FDIC insured. And that means something to some people and other people don't care. The FDIC insured means if that bank were to go bankrupt or fall into financial hardships, if it's FDIC insured, you'll get your cash back. If it's not, uh, you don't, you're not first in line to get your money back. So just keep that in mind as there is a slight difference there.
0: Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, And there's actually, there's, stuff out there regularly they change their interest rates um, pretty regularly on what they're offering for those hysa's and some of them may be variable as well where you may get in at a particular rate but it might change and it might go down it might go up um, so being aware of those things as well
1: yeah lots and lots of promotions for folks um, you know <laughs>
0: do this for 12 months and we'll
1: give you four and a half percent do this for five or five years or whatever so just know what it is and. I have folks that every time it comes to you, they'll call and they'll say, okay, what's your CD rate? What's this rate? You know, But I like the high yield savings accounts or just savings accounts or uh, even some of the checkings now will have uh, like 4.5% interest or something mm-hmm. and you're not tying it up. Um, that's really good for an emergency fund. I, I don't want it locked in uh, if you're not keeping enough other cash. The one caveat I will say to your debt, um, paying down debt versus um, investing Uh, there are a lot of folks out there right now that have some very low interest rates on cars or on whatever. Uh, And they might even have a zero promotion uh, credit card. So Mm. those I'm not um, super bent on, hey, you got to get that paid off first. But if you have a traditional credit card and you're paying 19 to 32% interest, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, you have no business investing anything until that's paid off. Um, if you have, you know, I don't encourage folks to pay off their house, uh, early prior to starting investing, but that's like the big thing. Um, I just met with somebody, they had a seven and a half percent car, uh, interest rate. And I was like, you're going to pay that off before you do anything with me, because right now the guaranteed in the CD is 5.5, but you're paying the bank over seven. Mm. So Mm -hmm. go pay off your debt and then we can do this later. So.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And that was a good point, uh, you know, to put out there, too, you know, having extremely low interest rates or a 0% interest rate, and you have the ability, yes, definitely capitalize on that. Um, I definitely agree. Um, Okay. Uh, Are there any, like, pressing thoughts on your mind that you're like, I really want to make sure that you know we stress this point today um, and not in this before we put that point out there. Yeah, I
1: think the only other thing I would encourage everyone to participate in if you have access to it is an HSA, uh, the health savings mm-hmm. account. Uh, that is the only place that you get the trifecta. It goes in with pre-tax dollars. It grows tax free. And when you pull it out, as long as it's used for medical expenses, medical expenses, you never pay tax on it. So I encourage folks that have higher earnings and have access to that health savings account to actually fund it and then not use it. Because many of those plans allow you to invest some of that cash over $1,000 or 2000 whatever their limit is. And then you're able to set yourself up so that way when you go into retirement, you can have this nice nest egg that you're pulling from 100%
0: tax-free and won't show up as income. Mm, That's a really good point. Really, but actually wasn't, I wasn't aware of that piece of being able to invest anything that's not used in the HYSA. Is it, is that like a case-by-case scenario or is that?
1: So most uh, HSAs have a threshold in which they say once you've reached $1,000 or $5,000, then the rest of it's investable. So you just have to check with your specific plan. Um, There's a few of the common ones all offer that. I haven't found very many that don't have an arm for investing. Most of Mm -hmm. them do, but that dollar amount in which they allow it. And I always tell folks like, Hey, if you think you're going to rely on this for something and potentially need it, whatever your one year deductible is, leave that amount in cash and then invest the rest. Because then, you know, in the worst case in
0: that one year, you would have the cash setting there. Mm, I like it. Thank you so much for sharing that. I actually uh, haven't been using an HSA and um, I had, being prior military, I didn't have to use regular uh, insurance through my job because I had some military benefits, but Uh, some things changed about two years ago and I have been using insurance through my regular job and I have not been capitalizing on the HSA shame on me, (laughs) but now, you know, exactly. And we're getting ready to come upon open season. Um, so I am definitely going to, uh, be utilizing that and, and, uh, yes, that is, that is going to change. (laughs) Um, well, I so appreciate having you here and and getting into these conversations, appreciate your, you know, advice and your openness as well. Um, if anyone wants to connect with you, uh, reach out to you, get some information from you, how can they do that? And, um, is there anything that you have that you want to share as an offering for, um, the listeners today?
1: Absolutely. So I can be found at if you just Google Edward Jones and Jessica Tomac, T-O-M-A-C, you can find my name there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and on Facebook as well. So the offering for anyone listening to this podcast, we are offering you a complimentary consultation. It's 30 minutes. We'll discuss where you're at, where you want to be, what you're currently doing. And then we'll just help kind of provide you with a up to three points of here's your three steps uh, to be able to navigate more efficiently
0: of, of where you're trying to go. I like it. Thank you so much for sharing that information. Um, for those of you... Uh, that would like to connect with her. If you didn't quite hear, you know, what she said as far as how to get in touch with her, don't worry. I put the links in the show notes. Uh, just go ahead and scroll down and click on that, and uh, you can get connected with her today. Um, thank you all for listening. I hope that this has truly been helpful for you. Uh, don't forget to um, you know subscribe, follow, comment, and share this out. Uh, help other people improve on their financial education as you're improving our, your financial education. And if you need to know anything else about me, or excuse me, <laughs> not need to know, want to know anything else about me, want to get connected with me, uh, my links are also in the bottom. And you can also check me out on Instagram at uh, dr.michellemarie. Until next time, we will talk to you soon.